I, I, just, want, I just want you guys to pray. I, I believe in the power of your prayer. Amen. So tonight, if you want to look in your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 18. God is talking with Abraham about bringing judgment on Sodom. Man, wouldn't it be awesome to have that kind of relationship with God? To be such a friend of God that God comes to talk to you about bringing judgment on somebody on the earth. But that's the case. God's talking to his friend. He says that he's going to bring judgment. And Abraham's thinking, wait a minute. I got family down there. I mean, surely, surely Lot took care of all of his family, and they told all their friends, and they've got a lot of people down there that are saved. So, so surely Abraham says in Genesis chapter 18, verse 23, Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place? For the 50 righteous that are therein. So Abram, Abraham begins with Abram in the early part of the text. But Abraham begins to bargain with God to, to put in a, a word for Sodom. But he says in verse number 25, That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. He asks this question, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I want to look. For just a few minutes, it doesn't matter what's going on in our world. It doesn't matter what's going on in our life. It doesn't matter what's going on in things around us. I want to look for just a few minutes. That God will always do right. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you, Father, that we can come to you. Thank you that you said that we can come boldly into the throne room of grace, that we might obtain mercy. Thank you that you would even be mindful of mortal men in our prayers, God. Thank you that you would love us in spite of us. Thank you that you would come down and meet with us and gather with us and let, you, let us feel your, your presence in this place, God, and feel your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you for this word, for the truth of this word. Thank you that you gave us this love letter to live by, God. Thank you, Father, that we can call you Father and that you would call us your children. Thank you, God, for being so incredibly good. Lord, I pray right now, would you move in this place? Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each one of us. Would you give us something that we could walk out being a better servant for you? And we pray most of all, God, may you and you alone be pleased. May you receive all glory and honor. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. A common question that a lot of people ask, especially in today's world, is a lot of people seeking, a lot of people want to want to go to heaven. Now, they don't want to go to hell. They just... They just don't want to have to hear anybody preach to them. They just don't want to have to hear the gospel. So there's a lot of questions. Like they ask, well, what about people in other countries? What about, what about people that have never heard the gospel preached? What about people that maybe are out on that remote island, it's a little tribe, a little village, and, and there's never been missionaries there? What about somebody that's never read the Bible? They don't know the Bible. What about somebody they may have, have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? What about... What about somebody that's fully devoted to their religion? Um, Brother Randy talked about it this morning, about going to some of these countries. They're all in. I mean, it, it is, their, their religion is everything. They are sold out into their religion, but it's just that. It's a religion. It's a false hope. And he talked about that lady that came down and said, I surrender all my gods. You understand that in many of those worlds, they have 
a God for everything, man. I mean, for the sun up, the sun down, the rain. Just If there's anything that happens, they have a different God for it. They have all kind of trinkets, little idols in their houses and things in their pocket and, and things that they worship, things that they praise. What about somebody that is so devoted to their religion, they don't stray left, they don't stray right, they're, they're, they're stuck to it and they, and they stand on what they believe. God will let them in, won't he? Abraham asked a rhetorical question here. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Rhetorical question really isn't even a question. It's more of, a, more of the form of, of a statement. Abraham doesn't ask this to, to gain information. He, he says this to establish a point. God will always do right. No matter what's going on in our lives and our world, we can rest assured that God will always do right. Job said in chapter 37, verse 23, touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment, in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. David said in Psalms chapter 19, verse 9, that the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The fact is, God will always do right. So who's going to heaven? There's three views in, in today's world. Actually, there's a lot of views, and most all of them are mixed up. But you can kind of classify them in, in three categories. One of them is inclusivism. And inclusivism says that we're all going to heaven. God made everybody, and God loves everybody. God loves every. God made everybody, that's true. God loves everybody, that's true. Everybody's going to heaven, that's not true. They won't say, well, well, God loves everybody, and you got some that are good and some that are bad, and there'll be different levels of heaven. Some will get better gifts, but they say everybody is going to heaven, and, and they, they believe that, but, but they do that to try to comfort their own guilt. One of them is called pluralism. Pluralism is very popular in today's world, very popular among Hollywood and Hollywood teachings. You've heard me talk about it a lot of times. I still fuss about Oprah Winfrey saying, oh, there's thousands of ways to get to heaven. There's got to be. There can't be just one. Sorry, but there's a book you need to read. <clears throat> it, it says that, that everybody who trusts in some kind of God in any way, that we're all going to heaven. It says there's just different roads that get there. They call us strict, straight, narrow-minded. Well, I'm not narrow-minded. I'm just book-minded. They, they say that we're all going to the same place. We're just all taking different roads to get there. But, but then there's what God says. Now, they refer to what God says. They, they say that's exclusivism. That means there's one faith. That means there's one God. That means there's one salvation. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. As Jesus puts it, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Sounds pretty simple to me. Acts chapter 4, Luke records that when Peter was standing on trial from the Sanhedrin council, that he said in chapter 4 and verse number 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There's a lot of things in, in our world that, that we as mortal man just need to know that God's got it under control. God's got everything worked out, and we just need to leave 
things to God. God clearly said that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We're not going to understand everything about God. Now, he did say that we could study and seek the Holy Spirit and that God would explain some things to us if we have a connection with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the same one that wrote the book. The Holy Spirit is the one that lives in us. So if we'll spend some time reading God's Word and we'll spend some time in prayer, then God said he would help us to understand some things. He would shed some light on some things. But we're not going to understand everything that's there. Two of the fatal flaws about this question and, and who's going to go to heaven, one of them in today's world is presumption. Presumption says that all men are basically good. <laughs> they don't know the same people I know. All men are basically good in spite of the fact that the Word of God says that there's none good, no, not one. Presumption says that, that those who may have never heard the gospel, but, but they've been taught some form of religion, that God's going to make some special avenue for them, that that'll be one of those different roads. There'll be some kind of exception to the rule, and that they'll be given a different way in. But when I read the Word of God, I read that God never changes, that He is the unchanging God, that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that nothing about, about God will ever change. I read that God shows no favoritism. I read that God says that he's no respecter of person. So what he does for one, he does for the other. And what he won't do for one, he won't do for the other. That, that God is always the same. I read that the same God who is a God of love is also a God of judgment. And, and that the God of judgment says there must be a penalty for sin. For that cause, God sent his only begotten son to pay the price at Calvary, to shed his blood, to take that beating, to wear that crown of thorns, that crown of thorns on his head, so, so that he might take his own blood to the mercy seat of God, that he might sprinkle it for our sins. God, God sent his own to make payment in full, so that whosoever, thank God for being a whosoever, shall call upon the name of the Lord. It don't matter where you're from, what your name is, what your background is, whosoever. Don't matter how deep your sin is, how well-rooted you are in your sin, how far back your family generations go in sin. It doesn't matter how far back your family generation goes in preachers and prayer. It all boils down to one personal decision. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Otherwise, that person has to pay for their own sin. Now, when we read here in the book of Genesis, we see God... Judge Cain for killing his brother. We see God judge the whole world with the flood in the days of Noah for sin. We see God there at the Tower of Babel. Man, in their arrogance, thought that they could reach the heavens by themselves. Now, we know we got whatever that is that goes to the moon and there's spaceships. So we got stuff that goes a lot higher than that at the Tower of Babel. It wasn't the height of the tower that mattered. It was the arrogance of the people that mattered. They thought that they could reach God without God. They thought they could reach God of their own accord. So, so we see God bring judgment there. We know what happened to, to Sodom and, and Gomorrah because of the sin, the, the deep wickedness. Judgment is always certain for those who continue against God. But judgment is always righteous. Judgment of God is always right because God will always do what is right. Now, we don't have time to go into all that Paul has to say about it. Um, you want to go home, read Romans 1 through 3. It'll give you a, a complete explanation of, of how we're all guilty before a righteous judge. Those who have never heard the gospel, they're not condemned because they've never heard the gospel. 
Man is condemned already. We, we get that part naturally. If it were, if it were possible, y'all just let me buy a Bible right here real quick. It's a little short time out. If it were possible, let's just say that, that it's a remote island somewhere on the other side of the world. There's a handful of a tribal people that live there, and they never hear about the Bible. They never have one of the missionaries come. They never hear the truth of the gospel. And because they never heard the truth of the gospel, then they get to go to heaven. If that were true, then you and I as Christians need to get rid of every Bible. We need to shut every church door. We need to get rid of every missionary. And we need to shut our mouths so that all can go to heaven and nobody has to go to hell. If it were right that somebody over there could go to heaven simply because they hadn't heard the Bible, then we just need to shut up. But that's not what the Great Commission says, is it? The Great Commission says that we are to go forth and, and to tell everybody. There, there is a law in America. If you get a speeding ticket or, or really anything else for that matter, if you get a ticket and you go before a judge, and when you get to the judge, you say, I'm not guilty because I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't know the speed limit was 45 when I was running 95. I just assumed. I, I didn't know that that's what the law was the, the judge is going to tell you, point blank, doesn't matter. See, I had to take back in college, seems like four lifetimes ago, that I had to take some criminal justice courses. And one of the things that I learned is that ignorance of the law is no excuse. The laws of this country are well published. And therefore, it is the responsibility of all the citizens of this land to know the law and to live by the law. If that's true in America, surely it's true in the Word of God. Romans 1 verse 20 says, The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now it gets a little too personal for a Sunday night, but we'll just have to go ahead and say it anyway. The reason that the entire world has not heard is because we as Christians, we as servants, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason that the entire world has not heard is because we have not carried out the Great Commission. Jesus left us with some very simple instructions there at the end of Matthew in chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, to go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them whatsoever I have commanded thee. And he said, Lo, I'm with thee always, even to the end of the world. And an amen at the end of it means I agree. God gave us a very simple plan. That's to go tell the world. If somebody hasn't heard, it's not a failure on God's part. It's a failure on man's part. God gave the word. God put it here. God saved us. And, and he gave us a, a commission. We have failed to carry out the great commission. It, it's, it's not just over there. It's not just that missions map on the wall. It's not just people on those little remote islands that have never heard the gospel. There's people within walking distance of this church that haven't heard the gospel. There's people within walking distance of churches all over this town who haven't heard the gospel. A little closer to home, there's people that live in our community that haven't heard the gospel. There's people that work in our workplaces that haven't heard the gospel. 
There's people that sit in our classrooms, in our schools, that are our classmates that haven't heard the gospel. You don't have to go around the world. I've told you all 20, 30 years ago that that little young girl at McDonald's over there in Lithia Springs, Georgia, when I said Jesus Christ, she said who? This is a girl probably about 20 years old, 30 years ago in Lithia Springs, Georgia, right here in the United States of America, did not know who I was talking about when I said Jesus Christ. The reason that people have not heard is because we as Christians have failed to carry out the Great Commission. Jesus told us that you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jerusalem is our responsibility. Jerusalem is everybody that I talk to. It's everybody that lives around me. I ought to be able to tell everybody that I know about Jesus Christ. Judea it is our region. We ought to be telling our hometown, not just doing things like he's alive, not just having a revival, but us, ourselves, as witnesses. We are tools in the hand of a living God. We ought to be taking care of that. We have men like Brother Randy that was here this morning. And all these on, Those aren't just spots on the wall. Those are our missionaries, the the 84, whatever it is that we have left that, that we support to go out. They're the ones that are reaching to Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. God has called them. They have agreed to go. We have agreed to support them. We have agreed to put money into missions to take care of that. They're going on our behalf so that we in part are carrying out the ministry into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Flaw number two. Is assumption. The assumption is that there are good people in this world, and because they use their money to help others, they do good things for others, that they should be allowed into heaven for their good deeds. There, there's more verses than we got time to even begin to combat that, but just simple enough, and Psalms 14, 2, and again in Psalms 53, 2, it says, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them has gone back. They're all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. They called Jesus good master. He said, why calleth thou me good? There's none good but one, talking about God the Father. It's echoed in Romans chapter 3. Paul said, as it's written, there's none righteous. No, not one. Paul, in his letter to the church at Ephesus, said, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So there goes all the good works, doesn't it? There goes all those that think helping other people is going to get them into heaven. Listen, I know somebody right now, I've asked you to pray for him, and I'm not giving you his name, but I'm still asking you to just keep praying for this person. This has become a very good friend of me that he believes his works is going to get him there. He believes doing things for me as a preacher is going to get him there, and I try to tell him all the time, brother, it's about crazy. He says, that's just that Baptist stuff. No, it's not Baptist's book. I didn't learn nothing. I know out of a Baptist church, I learned it out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I learned it out of the Holy Word of God from in the beginning to amen. That's where it's all settled. That's where it's all accounted. That's where it all comes from. That's where it begins. That's, that's where it ends. But there are people who truly believe that they're going to do things good enough to outweigh their bad things and that that's going to get them into heaven. Man is not condemned because they rejected God. Man is condemned because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It, it is an inherited trait. Psalm chapter 51, verse number 5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We're not sinners because we sinned. We sin because we're sinners. It's just natural. Anybody here have to learn how to be bad? Anybody have to learn how to sin? There ain't not one of us in here that our mom and daddies had to teach us 
how to be bad. Now, see, I, I know something right now that I'm glad I didn't know when I was little because I would have said this to my mama. She would have killed me. I would have said, I inherited it from you. But that's reality. It comes down through the bloodlines. If there's anybody in here that has spent five minutes with one of your children teaching them how to be bad, raise your hand. Hmm. Just comes natural. We know who they get it from, don't we? They, they, they get it on us. So, so the truth is, sin is, is just natural. Nobody ever teaches us how to be bad. So people will say, talking, especially talking to people outside of church and, and tell them about God and tell them about salvation, one, one of the big questions is, if God loves me, then you tell me why he'd send me to hell. The answer to their question is, he won't. You will. See, God's already made the way. God's already paid the price. God, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God says, here's the price. It's settled and done. Paid in full. Here's the gift. All you got to do is take it. I've used the illustration too many times. I can offer you a million dollars, but if you don't take it, it won't pay you one bill. Of course, everybody in here would take that, right? Yeah, I, I, I would as well. But, but it is the gift of God. So if you don't take the gift, then, then it does no good. So people, people are, are looking for answers. Why would God send me to hell? God won't send you to hell. God did everything to keep you out of hell. He sent Jesus Christ to pay your debt in full. All you have to do is accept the fact that somebody else paid off your house. Somebody else paid off your car. Somebody else paid off all of your plastic credit cards. Somebody else bought all your groceries. Somebody else paid for all of your sin. All you got to do is sign and say, I want that. And the payment goes into effect. All of the debt is erased. God loves people so much that he paid it. God allowed Calvary to teach us two things. One of them is fairly obvious. God allowed Calvary to show us how much he loves us. But God also allowed Calvary to show us how serious he is about sin. If God would allow that on his only begotten son for something that he didn't even do, if God would allow that to his only begotten son to pay for my sin, what would God allow to those that reject the gift? Hebrews chapter 10 says, But a certain fearful looking of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Christ died so that we could live. He became like us. So that we could become like him. He, he took on our sin so that we can take on his righteousness. So here's a simple truth for you and I today. I assume we're all here as children of God. We are all here as the redeemed of the blood of the Lamb of God. We've all trusted Christ, our personal Lord and Savior. We're all saved, washed in the blood. Our name is written in heaven. God hasn't asked us to decide who gets in and who doesn't. But what God has done 
is he's told us in this book how to get others in. God, God hasn't put us on the judgment committee. That, that's God's business. God hasn't put us on the election committee. But what God has put us on is the nominating committee. We can nominate whoever we want to go to heaven. We can nominate those people on those other planets or those other islands, on those other continents. We can nominate them right now through prayer. We could pray right now. Lord, I'm praying would you send by your Holy Spirit. Send somebody their way. Send somebody to talk to them. You know you can pray for people you don't know? There wasn't one amen in the house. You know, we can pray for people we don't know. We can pray that God's will be accomplished. We can pray for those people that God would send our missionaries, protect our missionaries, anoint our missionaries, not just ours, but missionaries around the world, that God would use them. We can pray for people that we don't even know that, that, that they could be saved, that God would send away. But we can pray for people that we do know. We, we can nominate whoever we know by telling them what we know. God has given us an assignment, and that is to tell the world about Jesus Christ. Now, whether or not they accept the nomination, that's entirely up to them. But it doesn't change our responsibility. It doesn't take us off the nominating committee. Our text says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? The answer is absolutely. Does that mean that we're going to understand everything about God? No. Does that mean that we're going to understand everything in God's ways? No, no, it, it doesn't. Some things that God does doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how to just be real. I, I don't understand why some desperately wicked people have millions of dollars. I don't understand how some people, their lifestyle is so vulgar and so wicked, yet it seems like they have all the things here in, in life, and yet I see Christians struggling. I see Christians going through trials and troubles and, and turmoil and situations, I can say this, we never know when God is shaping someone. We, we never know when God is preparing someone to be used in a great way. We can know that whatever is going on in our life or theirs, that God has it in full control. And if God is allowing it, then God's doing something with it. So we may not understand everything, but we understand one thing. God is a good God, and God will always do right. There's going to there's gonna be a lot of people in heaven that may surprise some people. But there's going to be a lot of people missing in heaven that a lot of people thought were going to be there. Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to him in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils? In thy name done many wonderful works? Well, the power's in the name of Jesus. When you call out the name of Jesus, the devil can't stay in that room. The, the name of Jesus, the devils have to flee. The name of Jesus is power. So it wasn't done in their power, it was done in the name. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 23 in the closing part here of the Sermon on the Mount, He said, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. When it's all said and done, the judge of the earth will do right. I thank God that we can stand here redeemed of the Lamb of God. 
I thank God that he gave me multiple opportunities to be saved, that his long-suffering and his patience just kept on coming back after me. And I didn't get just a one shot and done, that, that God loved me way more than, than I can ever begin to comprehend. We can thank God that, that all of our sins is, is washed away. But we have a responsibility that comes with that. We're, we're on the nominating committee. It's up to us. To, to, is there anybody in here that you know that you want to go to heaven? Anybody? got Raise your hand if you got somebody that you want to go to heaven. Mom, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter, aunt, uncle, niece, nephew, best friend, neighbor. People in China, red China that we don't know. Russians that we don't know. God loved them. Our job is to love them. If we love them, we'll pray for them. So if we're part of the nominating committee, we need to spend some time in that throne room of grace that we might obtain mercy. Tim, brother, if you don't mind, you come on back over here to the piano. Yeah, I won't disturb you again. It doesn't matter to me what you play. I just want you to play something for a minute. I, I just I want us to take a few minutes. I want us to nominate some folks. Sounds like a different way of putting it, don't it? I want us to pray for some folks. I want you to think of some people right now that you want the Holy Spirit of God to send somebody to. Can, can I? Look, we, we can be real with each other. There are people in our lives that we know that we're not going to reach. If we could have, we already would have. That, that's, that's just real, whether for, for whatever reason. But God can send somebody else to reinforce what you've been trying to live. God can put somebody else to, to water what you've been trying to plant. God can put somebody else there to hoe the weeds out of the rows you've been trying to establish. So if there's somebody that you want to nominate right now into the kingdom of God, you can nominate them through prayer. Pray for them, God. Put somebody in their path. Put somebody. If it's me, please, God, use me. Let my life be a living testimony. Let them see Christ in me. If it's me, use me. Give me the words to say. They don't have to be me. I just want to see them when I see Jesus. I just want them to be there. Will you put somebody in their path? Will you nominate some folks tonight? But as we're praying, we're going to take just a minute and pray. I want us to pray for ourselves. One, God, forgive me. I, I have walked by people that I felt I should talk to and I didn't. God, forgive me. There are people I felt like I have, should have called and I didn't. God, forgive me. There, there's people that you've told me to pray for and I mentioned them one time and forgot about them. God, I want to be used by you. I want to be a tool in your hand. I want you to use me to not just, just nominate others, but use me to be a part. God gave us the ability to tell them how to get to heaven. I just want to be all that I can be. And anybody want that? Anybody just want to be used of God to do a mighty service that, that God would use us in an amazing way? Can we take just a few minutes and pray? I'll ask you if you stand where you would. You're welcome to come to the altar if, if you want. You can spread out or mask or however you, you need to do. The altar is always open and it's always a great place to pray. You certainly can pray right where you are. If you need to sit or need to kneel, it doesn't matter. It's not a position of the body. It's a position of the heart. Let's just take a few minutes and pray.